The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Coming to you from the revived Clark's Pump and Shop studio in Lexington. Uh, Coming up today, uh, we didn't know if we were going to be able to be uh, live or not. The studio uh, basically just kind of went dark yesterday, and they had to uh, do some work to get it fixed. Thankfully, they uh, were able to do that quickly. So um, we are back live today, but since that was uh, somewhat up in the air till late in the day yesterday, I went ahead and uh, taped our interviews with our two guests today, Larry Vaught and Kyle Tucker. So uh, we'll have that coming up here in just a bit, um, and then I'll be back for the final segment to, uh, to close it out. So let me just jump right into the Wildcat news of the day, presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. And all signs are pointing to Liam Cohen leaving Kentucky to be the new offensive coordinator for the L.A. Rams. A couple of different uh, NFL guys broke the story yesterday, and there's been no confirmation yet. I'm assuming it's just working out details of, of a contract. But uh, since nothing's been said uh, officially, it's uh, still just a report or various uh, multiple reports at this juncture. Uh, all I can tell you is everything uh, th- it didn't come as a surprise. Liam's handled everything uh, exactly the right way, told him that the Rams' OC job was the only one he would leave leave for, and that one happened to come open and looks like was offered. And uh, so Kentucky will have to find itself a, a new offensive coordinator, it looks like, so that'll be a story we'll be following in the coming days and weeks, although I would think they'll try to move pretty quickly since <laughs> On the horizon to basketball, Coach Cal on the radio show last night said uh, Wheeler and Washington did not practice yesterday, so both are still day-to-day as Kentucky gets set to take on LSU on Wednesday night at uh, 9 Eastern time. So Cal again asked for the uh, crowd to come through like it did on Saturday in the win over Alabama. Uh, Kentucky dropped two spots to number six in the AP poll this week, uh, stayed even at number three in the coaches' poll. And Kentucky has a chance, I think, with uh, two wins this week to really give it shot, its, uh, itself a great chance to get a one seed on Selection Sunday. But I don't think they can take any more losses between now and the end of the regular season and still be able to do that. And they have two road games left, Florida and Alabama. Uh, Florida and um, Arkansas this weekend, of course. Um, tonight, a couple of games uh, to follow. Arkansas is at Florida, and Tennessee is at Missouri, two of the teams that uh, are just behind Kentucky in the SEC East race. Last night, uh, Ohio State, UCLA, Baylor, all the teams that uh, were the higher-ranked, higher-expected uh, seeds, all won as expected last night. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Our Wildcat News of the Day segments presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. Go to Giuseppe'sLexington.com to see the menu, make a reservation for or to open table for your next special occasion at Giuseppe's of Lexington.
Tuesday edition of the Leach Report, and we're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Larry Vaught joins us from Vaughtsviews.com and YourSportsEdge.com. Larry, we'll start with Kentucky's win over Alabama. You've seen Kentucky teams have to face various forms of adversity over the years. This one had its two-point guards out, so what was your take on what Cal's Cats pulled off? It's pretty remarkable, Tom. I don't know that I can remember a game where Kentucky was shorthanded like that and the opposing team started out just red hot, couldn't miss, threw it nine threes, and it seemed like no time at all. And I'll admit, I thought Kentucky was more on the verge of getting run out of the gym by 30 points than they were being able to figure out some way to come back and win the game in relatively easy fashion. So a lot of credit to those players to the plan that John Calipari had and they stuck with. It was one of the, uh, I think, best wins for a lot of reasons Kentucky's had in a while. I mean, there's been a lot of really good wins for Kentucky basketball, but I think this one was pretty special and one that fans are going to talk about for a long, long time. You wrote a story at the site, yoursportsedge.com, com, about the impact that the fans had on this game. Yeah, I thought when John Calipari came out and, and talked about that and Kellen Grady did also, I thought they were exactly right because, to me, when the fans had their biggest impact was when Kentucky was down and kind of needed a lift. And I thought the, the fans, who sometimes get criticized a lot, I thought they were kind of there when they needed them. And when they just started that comeback, they got into it quick. And I think, as, as John pointed out, the, the fans were applauding rebounds, defense. It wasn't just made field goals. It was everything. And I think that got to Alabama a, a little bit because it seemed like Alabama kind of became a little bit discombobulated and Kentucky just kept rolling. And the more Kentucky put the pressure on, the louder it got and the more disoriented Alabama got. So it was a good combination for Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of things went right. Shots just before the shot clock buzzer goes off. Uh, Kellen Grady looks away, and the pass hits him in the hip, and he bends over and picks up the ball and shoots and hits it. I mean, it was it was one of those days for uh, Kentucky. And um, what does this do for this team as far as, you know, moving forward, what they accomplished without two key players? I don't know that they needed confidence, but I sure think it, it helped confidence an awfully lot and and to me the most impressive thing and one of the things I also wrote about that I was one of many I thought who needed to apologize because I wasn't sure that they could play well with Keon Brooks and Jacob Toppin both at the game in the game at the same time for long periods of time especially against a really talented opponent so I was one of the first to acknowledge I was wrong because boy both those guys were great and I think that probably gives John a lot of confidence and maybe that he can juggle his lineups a little bit more than maybe even he thought he could or realized he could because those two guys proved what they can do. And I think it should give both of them a lot of confidence, too, in, in what they can do for this team because they were both just terrific on both ends of the floor. Uh, of course, Jacob seems like to always be the energizer guy, but I thought Keon not only hit some key shots, but I thought he also made some pretty big plays on defense. It may, may just been something as simple as, knocking the ball out of bounds to prevent a score, which doesn't show up in the stat sheet. But I thought he was really, really good. I think I saw a tweet from him on Saturday taking note of the fact that you know he and Jacob were uh, better 
as a combo than, than people thought or something to that effect. You know, it's as if he, he knew people were talking about it, even though they never checked, you know, social media or anything. Yeah, yeah. I thought maybe he was tweeting at me. I didn't know for sure if he was or not. Because, because like I say, I'm not sure everybody else will want to line up and say, yeah, we, we were wrong. But I certainly didn't mind doing that myself because I knew that uh, everything was was wrong, or, or my assumption was wrong, because those guys both certainly had a huge, huge role in that game in, in a lot of ways. So I think it's probably, I mean, if, you, if you're scripting it, if you're John Calipari, you can't do it any better than that. You you lose at Tennessee, you're coming home to play a team that's beat the number one team in the nation. Now all of a sudden you're going to be shorthanded. You've already laid this scenario out. Well, we'll just do the best we can, get them well. And instead, you come out and just play magnificently and win the game. And I like what you said on Sunday morning with us about that when you were at the shoot-around, that it wasn't like John was just waving the white towel and saying, let's just try to keep it close and make it respectable. We're shorthanded. We can't win. But he was giving them a plan they could win with. And now to be able to go out and do it, I mean, this team has really, really got to be feeling good. I mean, that loss of Tennessee seems like it's three months ago now. Yeah, that's true. He is um... – yeah, you know, this was right in his wheelhouse, I think, to be able to or to have a team facing a a lot of adversity, and uh, I'm sure there was you know a feeling there's no way they can win with what they're facing, and then to get down 13 and have Alabama hitting all those threes early, and uh, he has you know that that ability to uh, make players believe in themselves. I think Kellen said after the game that. Sometimes uh, he believes in them more than they do. Um, he got this team to, to believe that it could do what it ultimately did, and um, that is uh, one of his strengths. Yeah, absolutely one of his strengths, and, and he did it so, so well. I mean, it's it's just amazing the, the plan that, that they put together and the way they utilized it. I think they obviously called Alabama off guard. A little bit. I think Nate Oates admitted that after the game that when a team doesn't have its two point guards and only makes seven turnovers, yeah, I think you have to probably think about maybe what you did or didn't do to try to create some of that. But then again, I think you also just give Kellen Grady and Davion Pence a lot of credit for what they did. I, I kind of got tickled after the game. I don't know if you got to hear it or if you were busy with the interviews that you guys would do on the radio. But when Kellen Grady was talking about that his goal was point guard, which is to get it across half court. Yeah. What you think, major college guy, that doesn't really make sense. But when all of a sudden you think they may be just coming after you and going to try to eat you up, I got what he meant. If he just, if he could just get it to half court, then get things going, then he was going to feel like he had done his job. But, but he not only got to half court, but he did a lot once he got it to half court too. Yeah, he did. Uh, we're talking with Larry Vaught from uh, com, yoursportsedge.com, and uh, on Twitter it is at Vaught's views. Um, we have, uh, I think, mentioned this before, but um, just things like the way that game played out, how much fun it was for, for fans and players, I think. Uh, this season was uh, so much needed after what everybody within the program uh, and fans outside of it uh, that are so invested had to go through last year to now just the very next year you know, Kentucky's not only you know back in the in the tournament and in the, the the buzz for as a Final Four contender, but just you know winning a game like this, a team that's uh, older that uh, is uh, 
playing fast and seeming to just have a having a ball doing it. Uh, and a guy like Oscar Shibway that has become such a fan favorite. I mean, if you could have scripted a, a, a way for a season to follow last season, uh, I don't know that anybody would have believed the script. No, it's just been fantastic, hasn't it? And I think part of what has made this season everything seem so magnified from Oscar being the most popular player ever, this being the most lovable team ever, and I'm not saying that, that's not that both of them aren't very deserving, but I think sometimes last year was just so miserable that you just think this has to be the best because compared to last year, it's like 25,000 times better. And you forget that Kentucky's had some pretty good teams and things that have happened before, some lovable teams. I got kind of tickled about people saying that maybe this was the best Rupp Arena crowd ever. Well, I kind of remember the first couple of years of Patino when they were talking about shorthanded, they were pretty shorthanded and running up down the court and shooting those threes. I think those teams, Rupp Arena really got behind a lot too. And I know you brought up the game when Nerlens Noel wasn't there and they played Missouri and Sports Center was there and uh, or game day was there and Kentucky found a way to win that game. So the, the Kentucky fans are, are better a lot of times than what they get credit for, I think. And they were certainly good. Saturday and helped an awful lot. I think were really impactful in a game that Kentucky needed. But again, I think as some of the players pointed out, that's just kind of what Kentucky basketball is. I think it was Jacob Toppin that said that. That's what Kentucky basketball is supposed to be. And we just kind of, I think, got brainwashed last year, or a lot of people did, thinking, well, Kentucky was just going to go away. No, I think, I think it's back. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking with Larry Vaught, and we'll continue the conversation in just a moment. It is the Leach Report, radio network served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Even the old folks never knew why they called it like me. Back for a few more minutes with Larry Vaughn. He joins us on Tuesdays here on the Leach Report from FoxViews.com and NorthSportsEdge.com. Let's shift gears to, to football. Uh, we're, uh, because of some technical issues, having to pre-record this show. Um, so as we do that, uh, there's no, been no official announcement about the Rams hiring Liam Cohen, but that's certainly where what all the buzz is, and it looks like Mark Stoops is going to need a new offensive coordinator. Uh, I've had a couple friends reach out to me and what do you think he'll do and I said I told one of them I said I think he'll fish in the same pond because it works really well with Liam Cohen yeah it, it sure has I think that's the main thing right now is yes if, if, if Liam is is leaving you hate to see that because he did a terrific job and you figured he's only going to get better this next year with having a full off season to go through with some of these guys and all but if he does leave the important thing is to get somebody that coaches that same system now that you've recruited to it. That's one thing we talked about with Anthony White Sunday morning. That, that He said that the system outweighs the coach to some extent. So if you have a guy running the right system, you got the right pieces, you can still be pretty effective. And the other thing is Mark Stoops has been pretty good whenever he pulls the uh, pulls somebody new in there. I mean, there's, there's not been many that haven't worked really, really well. So Mark's had a good eye. And I've, I've got a feeling that Mark probably for a couple of weeks has already had plan A, B, and C in place in case Liam did leave because with spring practice ready to go, if Liam's going to be leaving, then you've got to have somebody else coming in really quick to get spring practice going. You've already got a new offensive line coach 
and and you certainly don't want to go through spring practice without an offensive coordinator here. So if the if the news does become official that Liam's gone, I don't think it'll take long for Mark to name a replacement. And if Liam isn't isn't gone, then Mark and Vince might even be better recruiters than I thought. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He had he moved quickly to find his new offensive line coach, and uh, you guys on the on the Sunday show, you and Anthony and. Jack had uh, Coach Yenser on with you on Sunday. What were your impressions of uh, what he had to say? I think what I like more than any, anything, Tom, and it really didn't surprise me, was just the fact that he embraced the John Schlarman legacy so much, where he coached under Schlarman as a graduate assistant at Troy and had been with Neil uh, Brown down there, and then it also coached several different places with, with Tony Franklin, who was a big John Schlarman guy also. Didn't, didn't surprise me that, that Zach embraced it the way he did and talked about how much he picked up about how to treat players. And if you want to play hard for you, here's how you treat them because John taught me that. So I was, I was really, really impressed with that because it's, again, it's, it, he's had a, a year in between when John and somebody, but still that shadow of John Slarman still is there. And I, I really like seeing a guy that comes in and, and embraces it. And from all I have heard, I think the offensive linemen are going to love Zach Hintzer. Don't know whether they loved or didn't love Eric Wolford because I was not not that close to Eric to really know. But I think these guys are going to love Zach Hintzer. You can uh, go look up the Sunday Morning Sports Talk podcast and follow at Sunday AM Sports Talk on Twitter and, and get the directions to the podcast if you want to hear the replay of the show and in particular that interview that the guys did with Coach uh, Yenser. Uh, Larry, appreciate the time as always. Safe travels back from the vacation. All right, Tom. That's our buddy Larry Vaught, and uh, he and Jack and Anthony and uh, Bo, their producer, they do the uh, Sunday show from the Clark's Main Street Market uh, across from Rupp Arena in downtown Lexington every Sunday. Clark's Pump and Shops has about 70 locations across the bluegrass, and we urge you to download the Clark's mobile app so you can get their monthly specials and great deals that they might have in the Clark's Cafe. Had a Clark's breakfast sandwich yesterday, and they are fantastic. You should stop in the Clark's Cafe the next time you stop in to return, refresh, and refuel at Clark's Pump and Shops across Kentucky. We'll be right back with the second half of the Leach Report. Kyle Tucker on this Tuesday. Stay with us. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. We are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington in Hamburg and in Palomar. Joined now by Kyle Tucker, normally with us on Mondays, but we had some technical issues yesterday, and uh, we're pre-recording today's show like we uh, ended up having to do yesterday at the last minute, doing it with a little more lead time today. So uh, Kyle joins us on a Tuesday from theathletic.com. We always tell you that you need to subscribe to The Athletic for the great content, the you know, deeper dive types of stories that Kyle does, and there'll be some really good stuff leading into the tournaments, like the story that you posted uh, late yesterday, Kyle, about Oscar Shibway. The news came out on Sunday that he could finally participate in name, image, and likeness. And what do you know? The Big O's kind of popular, right? Shocking news here that uh, that the most beloved player in in a long time at Kentucky with this sort of effervescent personality and, and not to mention, by the way, maybe the best player in the country. Uh, he's pretty marketable. Um, that, that's not a real big surprise, but uh, it, it's 
you know, I talked to Oscar a little bit briefly um, about it, um, talked to Oscar's agent for a long time about it, and talked to uh, T.J. Beisner, who's obviously um, kind of heading up the NIL efforts at Kentucky. And uh, this has been a, a long process for Oscar. It's been, I think, you know, until now, I, I, it felt like to me the one kind of sad note about the season, that you have this guy having an unbelievable year, you know, who's wanted to be at Kentucky for so long and talked about that. You know, he has this great dynamic personality. He's a superstar. He's the best player and most likable player on the, you know, the best Kentucky team in a while now that people really love. And he can't benefit from name, image, and likeness because he's on this F1 student visa from the Congo. Um, and so for months they've been working around it. They applied for the waiver, you know, basically a financial hardship waiver. That just takes time and still hasn't gone through, so that's not what changed. They've basically, Kentucky and their compliance people and lawyers and, and Oscar's immigration lawyer and his agent and their lawyers, they have been digging through this for three months to find basically workarounds. You know, try to find a way around the existing laws where, you know, something doesn't meet the strict definition of job. Like, you can't have an actual job while on this student visa, and that hasn't changed. Uh, but they have just gotten super creative and worked around it and, and confirmed and triple confirmed that it's not going to get him in any legal trouble. And so they found stuff he can do. And so now Oscar, there's a bunch Oscar can do. He can do everything still, uh, but he can he can make a pretty good chunk of change, and he's already well on his way to that, as I understand it. So... What kinds of things is does this open up for him? Well, essentially, he can sell his likeness, right? So he can, you know, he can sell his, uh, you know, if somebody wants to put his face, uh, you know, use photos, existing photos and images, uh, things that he has ownership of, um, and put them on an ad, he can do that. I, I don't think he can go and, uh, you know, shoot a commercial yet. I'm not, as I understand it, uh, once that waiver goes through, he can do everything, and they're hopeful that that happens too. Uh, eventually, it'll go through. Um, but you know, if you if you want to say, you know, Oscar Shibway, you know, is the official, you know, spokesman for whatever your product is, and put his face on an ad, you can do that. And, and I assume, you know, that applies to video clips of Oscar and whatever. I, it's a little bit murky, I think, for one thing, just from a competitive advantage standpoint. Kentucky doesn't want to let the secret out. You know, they told me they felt like they cracked the code uh, with this, and there's other international students who are going to find themselves in this kind of a situation. Um, and so I don't think they want to give away the game there, but uh, but they've just found some things that he can do. You know, his agent told me there are already some, like, single individual six-figure deals uh, wow. on the table. Um, and, and I think, you know, I've probably talked too long here about uh, Oscar and his NIL uh, possibilities and, and, and the process of, of navigating the, the uh, NIL stuff without saying the, the really the big headline is his agent also told me if he decides to come back to school, there is a multi-million dollar deal on the table. Um, and that's a pretty big eyebrow raiser because, you know, I think that is a game changer for, could you see a senior Oscar Shibway? Absolutely. If that is the case, you know, if Oscar, if Oscar's got a chance to make a million or two million or more in name, image, and likeness next year, if he comes back, um, he doesn't have to go take a second round deal where he doesn't have a lot of guaranteed money. Uh, it, it may actually be more lucrative to come back to Kentucky for another year, and, and it allows him to help his family. And so that was a big wow for me. You know, and the other thing, too, we're talking about helping his family. 
you know, the two big headlines to me in this story are the the sort of wow numbers. And secondly, and, and really more importantly, the whole goal of it for Oscar was really to be able to help his family. Because these deals are, are in the works now and he knows he's going to have this money, he's in the process of bringing his mom over here from the Congo. Uh, and it, if all goes as planned, she is going to be here in time to watch Oscar play in the NCAA tournament. And she's never seen him play a basketball game in person in oh her life. Goodness. Which it, it, it's going to be like, you know, I don't want to be, you know, uh, uh, a uh, you know, too soft here, but I, like that that could bring a tear to your eye, right? Just thinking about Oscar's mom sitting there in the stands, and uh, like his agent said, I don't think she has any sense. She doesn't really know basketball. She certainly doesn't have a sense for like what a big deal Oscar is. No sense at all, I don't think. And I can't imagine what she's going to be feeling and what he's going to be feeling. If she's sitting there for an NCAA tournament game as her sort of introduction to what what Oscar means around here, that's going to be quite a moment. And, you know, I, I talked to Oscar about that. He said, "I'm probably going to cry like a baby, and then I'm going to get 50 and 30 so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for his mom." He's he's driven by by her and by wanting to help his family. That's why he puts those numbers up on a given night because he's thinking about that. He's talked to me about that before that. He thinks if I don't, you know, give everything I've got, kind of empty the tank, if I quit when I'm tired, if I quit on the court, I'm quitting on my family. So, like, he keeps that in his mind when they're not around. Like, if he looks over and sees his mom, who knows? <laughs> you know, if he looks over and sees his mom in the stands for the NCAA tournament, who knows what sort of uh, machine Oscar that might uh, might initiate. I was watching the uh, Ken Burns, one of the, I think, the fourth installment of the Ken Burns uh, documentary on Ali, I think it was Friday night, and it's, it was the one about the Foreman fight, which was in Kinshasa, Zaire, and I'm watching it, and I got to thinking, I said, I think that's now the Congo, where Oscar's from, so just started Googling, and it in fact is, but the Congo is just a, a massive country, um, and uh, but anyway, in, in doing a lot of, some of the reading, I was reading about Oscar, and I'd you'd really kind of forgotten the, that he went home to see his mom last summer and yeah. actually overstayed his visa because I think the story I read said there was maybe an earthquake not far away and he was you know a little scared for his mom and wanted to make sure everything was okay before he came back to the States. And that meant he was outstaying his visa and that caused a problem. And so eventually, obviously, it all worked out. But that's yeah. just, you know, it's a, I was just reminded then about that connection to his mom. So, you know, if this plays out like you're talking about, that will uh, – tug at heartstrings tremendously yeah it, absolutely and, and i think it was a i think it was actually a, a volcano but it, when i researched that it was very you said it's a huge place it was very far from where oscar's family lived i think oscar didn't want to go home and you know and, and kind of got stuck there because he didn't realize like oh if you you don't if you if you stay beyond the window they give you they will not let you leave um he's probably learned a lot about international laws here lately but um you know, the other thing about that trip this summer, he had not been home since he left. So it had been six years since he saw his mom. And, and apparently, someone told me this recently, Oscar basically said to, to Cal this summer, like, let me go home. Let me touch my mom. Let me see her and be with her. Because obviously, I think there was some real concern about letting him go, you know, just with everything going on in the world and COVID and everything else. Like, 
if we let him go, like, will we get him back? Or how, how hard will it be to get him back? But he told Cal, if you let me do this, I will come back and I will be a monster, basically. You know, let me go see my mom and I will come back and I will be the best player in the country for you. And <laughs> lo and behold, that has very much happened. And I think going there and seeing the conditions she was in, you know, he probably didn't re- remember it that well. And, uh, you know, and it may have gotten worse since he left to the Congo, but, you know, finding her in a home with 10 people that's the size of, you know, two dorm rooms in the basketball uh, lodge, I think really reminded him of what he's trying to get her out of. And so it's, it, it, it is an unbelievable story, and it, and it is wonderful to know now that Oscar can help his family with this money. We're going to continue talking with Kyle here in just a moment, but uh, urge you to check out the story at theathletic.com. Uh, we're subscribing just for this one, but there's a lot of other good content coming, too, from uh, Kyle and, and the rest of the team there leading into tournament time for everybody here in the Bluegrass that loves basketball. We'll be right back with more from Kyle Tucker on the Leach Report Radio Network. It's the Leach Report for Tuesday. Pre-recorded show today because of the the technical issues that hit the uh, studio in Louisville yesterday. So hopefully we'll be back live by tomorrow, game day for Kentucky LSU. But uh, we are uh, playing some interviews that we taped yesterday. And uh, we're talking with Kyle Tucker here from TheAthletic.com about his story that he posted yesterday on Oscar Shibwe and him being now able to get some money from name, image, and likeness and uh, about his mom maybe getting to come over and see him play in the NCAA tournament. So uh, just a really cool story. You mentioned that one of the people you talked to for this uh, was uh, T.J. Beisner, who uh, helps with the name, image, and likeness program uh, at UK now. And he put out a tweet, I think it was on Sunday when this news about Oscar was breaking, about how there were you know concerns, not just probably at Kentucky, but everywhere, about um, – how name, image, and likeness might affect the locker room and team chemistry and so forth. And he posted, at least as far as Kentucky goes, they've obviously had no issues. This is a a team that seems to enjoy playing together and playing for each other as much as any team Cal has had at a time when uh, all of these players are able to cut some deals, some collectively, some individually, but it certainly hasn't been a problem for Kentucky, has it? It is not, and I think that's a really interesting and, and remarkable thing, honestly, that, that NIL has not uh, been a divisive thing. I think it helps that all of them are getting a decent amount of money. You know, I don't think anybody's really been left out in the cold, even even walk-ons. You know, I think I definitely think it helps that everybody's gotten a pretty good little chunk uh, of change. But, you know, there's Ty Ty and, and uh, Shaden Sharp, who hadn't even played a game for you, who are driving Porsches. Certainly that could be an issue by the way oscar's getting a porsche as i understand it and I'm, I'm glad for him on that but you know those things could drive a wedge in the locker room not just with oscar uh but in oscar's case if you're going i'm the i'm the star of this team and, and these guys are you know a couple of these guys are raking in six figures and i don't have anything it could cause a problem but but oscar's like the last person that nil stuff would cause a problem with and that's again speaks to kind of who and what he is in the big story I wrote about him back in December, I think it was, just kind of telling his life story and his journey to Kentucky, You know, I ended that story talking to him and talking to his immigration lawyer about the frustration of the name, image, and likeness stuff. And Oscar just said, I'm, I'm not even frustrated. Like, it's fine. You know, he's obviously very religious, and he said, if, I, if, I, if it's not for me now, then that means 
God has a better plan for me for something better later. And when it's time to make money, I'll make money. So now it's time, <laughs> and I'm glad for him. Um, but I think he's kind of kept that attitude all the way through. One of the things Beisner said in the story was like, he, he not only wasn't frustrated, he was always thanking everybody that was working on this for him because it took a lot of people. I think Kevin Sargent, whose background is in compliance and now is the main associate AD, main administrator over men's basketball, he played a huge role. He was on conference calls and, and you know, checking. Kentucky was very, one of the things Oscar's agent said is Kentucky on their side, was, they couldn't have done it without Beisner and Cal and, and Sargent and all the people in compliance because any question they had about the P's and Q's and, you know, dotting I's and crossing T's, Kentucky would immediately answer and get back to them on. And so I think it was interesting that, like, Oscar, instead of complaining about not getting money, he was always just thanking the people that were working pretty tirelessly to try to get that done for him. Uh, we're talking with Kyle Tucker from the Athletic.com. Uh, let's uh, shift gears and, and talk about Kentucky's win over Alabama. You know, this is a, a season that has had more than its share of adversity when it comes to medical issues, injury, illness, etc. You know, it's, as I heard Grady interviewed uh, the media session afterward. The, the players seem, I won't say surprised, but just really, uh, kind of gen- really proud of what they pulled off and, uh, that the crowd was a big part of it too. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think everybody that was involved in that win, you know, all the players, the coaches and, and the fans felt the sense of pride in, in like banding together. And I, and it was one of those games where you felt like the crowd uh, viewed itself as part of the team, right? Like, we're banding together with you uh, because the noise they made, you know, I posted this video of Grady. I haven't even looked at it today, but, like, before I went to bed last night, uh, this video from up top of Grady hitting that go-ahead three right before the half and sort of the swell and then the explosion of noise when it went down, like 150,000 times um, on Twitter. You know, people are reveling in, in the game in the performance, the comeback, the grittiness, and I think also just like the vibe in that building that the that the the fan base, you know, was the was the sixth man in that game, and and so there's a lot of stuff to take away from that, and, and you know, it's another one of those games where I just go, man, this is a team that is has completely washed the taste of last season out of people's mouths. Like this was the team, the exact team that that Calipari and Kentucky needed to erase that bad feeling and all bad mojo of last season and, and make people fall in love with them again. I mean, you know, this is a very likable team. They've done a bunch of very likable things just personality-wise. And then when you win a game like that, that you just aren't supposed to win, write it off. Nobody would have – I think everybody would have been, not just in Kentucky, like any, any national media person, I think, even the, the committee, everybody would have looked at that game and oh, they didn't have their two – you know, most impactful guard at all for that game, and they lost to a ranked team that's beaten what three top five teams. You know, okay, you know, walk, you know, write that one off. Everybody was was ready and willing to write that that off if they lost it, and they won it, and they won it comfortably, and they had a chance to really run Alabama out of the building almost. You know what they did at Kansas, what they did in the first meeting with Tennessee, those are really impressive. But I would put this game and that performance up there right in that category uh, among most impressive things they've done this season. Quick football question. Uh, As we tape this, uh, it looks like uh, a lot of signs pointing to Liam Cohen going to the Rams. There's been nothing officially announced, so uh, maybe Kentucky could pull off some way to to keep him. But 
uh, a lot of reports that he is going to be the new o- OC for the Super Bowl champs in L.A. So uh, if that is indeed going to play out that way, uh, do you think Mark Stoops already has his next man uh, in his sights? Uh, yeah, I would, I would think so. You know, uh, he, Mark Stoops w- went out to the Super Bowl, looked like a fun father-son trip, took one of his, at least one of his sons out there to the Super Bowl, and they posing for pictures with Jamie Foxx. But I would guess... Because you know this has kind of been rumbling and buzzing for a while now, a few weeks now that he could be uh, Cohen could be on that short list. I would guess that Stoops was also on a uh, you know on a hunt out there to identify some potential candidates. I'd be pretty shocked if Cohen leaves if Stoops doesn't go from that uh, Sean McVay slash Shanahan tree, those similar uh, you know offensive minds and, and approaches. Just for continuity, because I think they really like what they had last year. They like the balance of the offense and the approach, the attitude uh, of the offense, and the and the you know the style of play. They like that a lot, and I think they want to keep that system. Uh, you certainly almost need to with spring practice, like coming right now. In that way, it's terrible timing. But if you can slide somebody in there that can, you know, do very similar things, uh, maybe you don't miss a beat. But it, if they do lose Cohen, it's really bad timing, um, you know, to, to try to get somebody in, in in, what, two weeks before spring practice starts. You would want them to put their stuff in, even if they're really similar. Uh, you know, they're going to have some of their own stuff. They may have different terminology, uh, et cetera, and they certainly aren't going to have the handle on the personnel that Liam Cohen did, unless it's a promotion from within. So um, this, is a, this is a tough one for them, but I would expect that Stoops, Stoops liked what he saw enough and there have been so many successful guys come off of that tree that you just go, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pluck another one. Kyle Tucker, TheAthletic.com is where you go to uh, get the Oscar Shibway story and more. Kyle, thank you much for the time. Thank you. Thank you guys for uh, hanging in with us. Thanks to our guests for allowing us to uh, get the program pre-taped. We'll come back, close out this edition of the Leach Report after this timeout. U.K. baseball in southeast Missouri canceled today because of the rain. Uh, tomorrow's game with Bellarmine uh, still on. Tickets for today will be honored for tomorrow. Kentucky started out with a 3-0 sweep. And uh, Medina Spirit DQ'd from his derby win. That makes Mandaloon the derby winner. And now it goes to the courts for the appeal process. And uh, happy Thanks birthdays to former to Wildcat basketballers Rajon Rondo, sure the the See you tomorrow on the Leach Report. TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page.